What's going on, everybody? This is Steven with Tillman's Corner Sports Talk. I'm here with Heath. Uh, I want to thank everybody for listening. Whatever time of the day you're listening, wherever you're listening from, uh, don't forget to subscribe to our channel. You know, um, that way you can know when uh, new, to, new, excuse me, new shows are coming out. Uh, it would really help us out. We'd really appreciate it. You can also email us at Tillman's sports talk at gmail.com email us with questions and we had a few weeks ago Juan emailed us some uh, really cool questions Uh, we really enjoyed doing that if you have any questions or any topics you'd like us to talk about we'd love to be able to to, uh, hear from you you can also reach us on our uh, social media platforms a link to that way you can listen to the show uh, so we got a lot to talk about, you know, a lot of obviously last night, the uh, men's basketball championship, some Alabama sports news, different sports there, some NFL news, a lot of different things. But uh, we like to always give local shout outs. If you've been listening, we try every week to do our best to give a local shout out to either someone that's from this area or that's in high school in this area. So, Heath, who do we have this week? Our local shout out this week is Christopher Sargent. He's a junior right now at Southern Miss. He went to high school at Faith Academy. I actually played football with him my senior year. He was a freshman, and he also played travel ball with my brother Hunter on the Raw Dogs, and he plays at Southern Miss. And this week he won the National Player of the Week last week in all of college baseball. Listen to these stats. In four games, he had 12 hits, hit a 706 average. That's zero to 1,000. He had five home runs and 15 RBIs. That is insane. When I saw it, I was like, oh, my word. It, that That's awesome. You know, he was always a beast in baseball and stuff. I know when he played with my brother, I was like, you know, he's by far the best kid on the team. The guy hits with extreme power. But, man, hitting five home runs in a series, that's pretty awesome. And it just shows how much talent is down here in this area. Yeah, that's pretty he, – he, he's definitely – I remember watching him when Hunter and him played on the Raw Dogs. You know, it's just uh, the high school kids, I believe, that were like juniors and seniors in high school. And we went to uh, the Bay Bears, and they had, like, teams from all over the, the country, uh, I believe, coming in. And uh, he gets up to hit, you know, high school kid, went to Bay Bears Stadium, which is a major league, you know, it's a, it's a minor league field. Major and he hits a home run. run. And I was like, yeah, this kid's good. <laughs> yeah, no, he's really talented, and I think he's got a bright future in front of him. I wouldn't be sure. surprised if he got drafted this year, and it would be really cool. You know, yeah, since he's a kid neat. from local, he went to Faith Academy. Yeah, so a uh, hot topic of the night, if anybody follows MLB, you know, the past few years, sign stealing with the Astros and all that stuff has been such a huge deal. Uh, so the MLB, MLB just came out that they're – I, I want to say they're going – I don't know if they're testing it to see. I don't think it's official yet, but they're going to try some anti-sign stealing technology. So what what's that going to look like, Heath? Well, I, they, I think they did test it in the minor leagues and then in spring training. And basically – so basically normally, if you know anything about baseball, the catcher will give the signal to the pitcher using his hands. Like, so he'll do like 3-1, three, 3-1. One, three, one. You know, that could be a curveball, whatever. But basically this is like a little pad on his wrist, kind of like an app. It's not an Apple Watch, but it's kind of like an Apple Watch. And he'll be able to press a button, press one or two buttons, and it'll tell him what pitch to throw. Either, so he could say curveball inside – curveball outside slider whatever and that relays back to the pitcher and the pitcher will have some kind of headset where in his hat where he hears what pitch to pitch and where to throw it and it's supposed to speed the game up because you know baseball games take absolutely forever and nobody has 
four or five hours to sit there and watch one game. So it's supposed to speed it up and it's supposed to help with other teams cheating and stealing the signs. I, I actually think it's really cool for baseball. You know, in the NFL, the coaches, the quarterback has a speaker in his ear where he hears the plays from the coaches so they don't have to get signals from the sideline, right, like in college. But I think it's really cool what the MLB's doing, and I'm excited to see what it looks like. Yeah, I think it's a good idea. Uh, I'm they have to do this uh, because of, you know, everything that went down with the Astros and then – and. I'm, I'm sure other teams would do it and just hadn't gotten caught and stuff. Now, I will say, because when I played, we, and I do air quotes, stole signs. So it was like you get into the game and if the pitcher has a tail or something, you know, you'd tell the other guys, hey, this is what he does when he's throwing a fastball. This is what he does when he's throwing a curveball and stuff like that. But obviously, we never had like a camera zoomed in on the pitcher's hand to see what's going on so that we could tell the batter, hey, this is what's going, this is what's happening. Yeah, absolutely. That that like you said, that's that was part of the game being able to actually, you know, look at the signs and steal the signs. But what the Astros were doing, and probably some other teams, they had a camera set up in the outfield, zoomed right in on the catcher's hands, and they had people in the back, like with an iPad or TV, you know, relaying that footage, and they were stealing it that way. And that that right there is just blatant cheating. And they was banging on a trash can when it was a certain pitch. And, you know, there's no room for that in sports. So this is really exciting for MLB, and I think it could help move the games along quicker and, you know, call for better baseball. Yeah, for sure. So our first main topic of the night, uh, NCAA Men's Basketball Championship. You've heard us for several weeks talking about March Madness and how bad our brackets have been and how Alabama disappointed and all this stuff. And we finally got to the championship game between Kansas and North Carolina. And Kansas came out on top 72-69. to 69. Yeah, that, I mean, I don't know who all stayed up. This game started really late. It was 8.20, East, oh, no, 820 our time. And it was like <laughs> – I know my brother-in-law and them, they had a little watch party in North Carolina. And it was 9.20 over there when the game started, which is crazy. But this game was absolutely phenomenal. This was one of the greatest championship games of all time. And let me just break it down for you. You know, if, if a lot of people didn't stay up to watch it, North Carolina jumped on them early. North Carolina was winning 40-25 to 25 at half. That's a 15-point lead. And they led by 16 in the first half. But at the halftime, it was 40-25. to 25. And I'm thinking just along with everybody else, everybody I'm texting and stuff, like, man, this game, this is a blowout. You know, Kansas, I thought Kansas was the better team. And, they were the better team. But North Carolina came out there with such an edge and a passion and a fire. And then Kansas, man, they came out at halftime like absolute gangbusters. They were all over them. They were causing steals. They were running the fast break and everything. And this is this is a crazy stat, Stephen. In the first 10 minutes of the second half, so Kansas was down 15 starting the second half. They went on a 31-10 to 10 run, and they led by six with 10 minutes left in the second half. So in 10 minutes, they outscored them 31 to 10 and took a went down, went from being down 15 to up six. And that is absolutely unheard of. It was one of the greatest, in my opinion, it's one of the best games I've ever seen in college basketball, especially with the stakes that high. It was the largest comeback ever in a March Madness championship game. You know, and give all the credit to Kansas. They really deserve it. Yeah, it was uh, – you know, I'm kind of an old man, so I was one of the people that didn't watch until the very end. I watched until halftime, and they were – you know, North Carolina was up by 15 at halftime. So, obviously, I didn't think it was over, but, you know, in a championship game, up by 15, 
you, you think, okay, this this it's not looking very good. But yeah, you know, Kansas came out like you said. And I watched. I went back and watched highlights of the second half and on fire played. They didn't look like they were. You know, they weren't moping around. They weren't down at all. Uh, you know, Alabama should. You know, hopefully, hopefully, they watch that game. They should take some notes from that. Um, but yeah, they look great. You know, what I noticed, and you and I talked about it, is they. It, it was yeah, they shot threes, but they had a mid-range game. They had post-up game. They had they just played really well as a team. It wasn't one guy handling the ball and all the other guys standing in the corner and just you know it was everybody was involved. Yeah, everybody was involved and really Kansas turned it into a track meet. They were running in the second half. Everything was fast break, this and that. And you know a lot of the Kansas players they said their coach is named Bill Self. He's a really good basketball coach, and they said they were playing for him because Bill Self he lost it lost his father. I think in either January or December, I'm not really sure, but he lost his dad. So they really – they wanted to try hard. And, you know, and he asked them, you know, they, they asked Bill Self, what did you say at halftime? What kind of speech did you give? He said, I really didn't say much. He said, but would you rather be down nine points with two minutes left in the game or down 15 with the whole second half? And he said – they said 15. And he said, let's go out there and get them. And guess what? They absolutely did. And I'm I'm really happy for North uh, – for. Kansas. I'm sad for North Carolina. Like I said, I got some family that lives up there. North Carolina had 24 offensive rebounds. Yeah. They out-rebounded Kansas by 20. They had some huge dudes out there. And, you know, I, they just ran out of gas in the end. And it was a really good game, and it was a great one to watch. Yeah, they definitely played well. You know, if you look at the stats, because North Carolina, they, they didn't shoot the ball very well. Um, but if you look overall, like you said, the rebounds and then even free throws, I think they attempt, they had like – 20 something free throws they made 10 more free they made 10 more free throws than than um uh kansas so you know that's 10 more points but you know it's overall game you know hats off to north carolina for being the eighth seed and getting to the championship um luckily you know my written bracket that we went over on the podcast i didn't have kansas winning but in one of the brackets i filled out online in the espn challenge i had kansas winning i think i was like 98 percent on that bracket so that's pretty – at least, you know, I filled out like 15, so one of them had to come close. <laughs> there you go. That was a good pick. Yeah, March Madness definitely lived up to his name this year. You know, North Carolina, they were right there, and they could have easily won the championship. It would have been the high – I think the highest seed. Don't quote me, but I think it would have been the highest seed to ever win the championship with them being an eight seed. And, you know, so it was a great game, and uh, I'm glad I got to watch it. You know, it was late. You know, it was hard, it was hard to get up this morning after staying up so late to watch it, but it was worth it. It was probably one of the best championship games I've ever seen in my life. So moving on, moving on to topic number two, uh, Alabama sports news. Not any specific sport. You know, we'll be talking about some softball, basketball, football, uh, but the women's uh, the softball team, Alabama softball team. We've talked about them here recently on a few episodes about how great they've been doing. They recently uh, beat Georgia uh, yesterday 9-0. to zero. And Georgia's, Georgia's, I think, they're, they're ranked top 20, top 15, somewhere in there. And softball, so, you know, definitely a good win for Alabama. Yeah, it was a phenomenal win for Alabama. Yeah, Georgia's, I think, is ranked number 18th in the country. And Bama beat them two out of three. Georgia, by the way, I don't know if you knew this, they have a, a, a girl on their team named Lacey Fincher. She's actually – but also a local product. She came from Faith Academy. I played football with her uh, older brother, Luke Fincher, and she's a dude, she is a beast. She can hit bombs. She's really good. They used to go to our church back in the day. But, no, it was a great win for Alabama softball, and they just keep rolling on. They're number four in the country, and they just have so much talent. They got such great pitching. 
They got right here. Uh, how do you say this? Lexi Kilfoyle. Yeah, Lexi Kilfoyle. We got right here. Lexi Kilfoyle. She threw a perfect game. You know how good you got to be to throw a perfect game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, we talk about Montana Fouts, and rightly so. But then this girl Lexi Kilfoyle comes in and throws a perfect. So if you don't know what a perfect game is, it's you throw no balls. Or excuse me, excuse me. You don't walk anybody. And they don't get any hits off of you. So, obviously, you don't walk anybody, no hits, no runs, nothing. You throw a literally a perfect game. She also she went six innings. She had ten strikeouts, perfect game. So, you know, the Alabama's rolling. They still have, I want to say, I looked at it today, 16 to 18 games left, I believe. Um, so, they still got a ways to go, but they're still, still rocking along. So, hopefully, they can continue this success. Um, so, moving on to another Alabama sport, Alabama football. Man, it was uh, one specific players today seemed like there was so much drama with Alabama football. Ajaye Hall, what, what's going on with him? Uh, I, w- I wish I knew, man. You know, there's a lot of speculation that he's really got a lot going on right now. And – you hate to guess what's going on in somebody's life. I don't know if he's dealing with personal family issues or something going on in his head or what. I don't really know. You know, you see stuff like apparently today he liked a tweet saying that Georgia should do the swap, you know, Burton, Jermaine Burton for him. Cause basically we got uh, Jermaine Burton from Georgia. He liked that tweet. And then there's a bunch of reports coming out today that he's no longer on the Alabama football team. And then he tweets out, Oh, this is news to me. But then again, he's liking a tweet saying he wants to go to another team and free him. I, I don't really know. Does the guy want attention? Is he, you know, is he a cancer in the locker room? The guy is ridiculously talented. But you know, at what point is enough enough? You know, Nick Saban, you know, he's not known to put up with this kind of stuff, and it wouldn't be surprising me if he's no longer on the football team after this episode drops. Yeah, we, who, who knows? Like you said, we don't. We don't know the guy personally. We don't know any details other than all this stuff today. But what's crazy, it's not like it was, you know, some uh, social media from some guy that's living at home in his parents' basement or something that's dropping this news. Like it's, you know, some more than one pretty good sources of uh, news stations or social or sports accounts or, or whatever it is that are saying, yeah, he's not on the team. He's not on the team. He's leaving. He's transferring. He's not on the roster, all this stuff. So who, who knows, man? I mean, it's, it's, I feel like a lot of Alabama fans are just fed up with it between last year of him, you know, whining that he wasn't getting enough playing time. He didn't show up really. And then all this stuff in the off season. And then even a few weeks ago, you know, he, he put out a tweet saying, all he said was, you're going to miss me or you'll miss me, something like that. So, and, and then, of course, everybody wants to speculate. Who knows? He could have been talking about a girl. I don't know. But, you know, if, hopefully he gets everything figured out. If he stays, great. But it's also, like you said, if he's – it might be best if he leaves, if he's kind of toxic to the team. It just doesn't – what I don't understand is, so since Nick Saban's been in Alabama, I can't think of anyone that has left – that's transferred away from Alabama and had success as far as somebody that's left because of character issues or, or bad reasons. You know, Jerome Ford left a few years ago because he was like fourth or fifth string. So he goes to Cincinnati, has a pretty good career there. But as far as I can remember, I can't think of anyone that has transferred from Alabama that's had 
you know, really good success anywhere else. Yeah, I'm with you. I can't really think of anybody else. Like, I know two his little brother transferred to Maryland. And he he's playing pretty well, but that wasn't anything to do with him being like a bad character. It's just because he was so far down on the depth chart, and he was never going to start over Bryce Young or Mac Jones. But you know, they asked Trey Sanders. He's a running back for Alabama. They asked him today. Some reporters asked him, like, "What's going on, with Jay Hall?" And he said, "You know, basically." You know, I don't know what's going on with him. You know, he said, I wish him the best and whatever he has, you know, going forward, kind of implying that, you know, he's no longer with the team. You know, and it, it's it's sad that your teammates have to, you know, answer questions about you, like what's going on, what are you thinking and stuff. And he's basically like, look, I don't know what the guy's thinking, but I wish him the best and whatever he does going forward. And it really sucks because Ajay Hall, I, I, to me, I think he was in position to start this year. Yeah, I really do, along with uh, Jermaine Burton and then, you know, Ja'Cory Brooks, but I, I really don't know what's going on with the guy. I don't know if, like I said, mental issues, dealing with the family. You, you just never know, you know, wanting attention. You just never know with all this kind of stuff, especially today's time when they're getting, you know, some of these guys are getting paid. He may be mad that Bryce Young's getting paid a certain amount and he feels like he should get paid. I, you never know. All this is, of course, speculation. But, uh, you know, I hope we can move on honestly, real quick from this and really just go and jump ahead and some of these other, you know, younger receivers that get the chance they can just absolutely dominate. Yeah, yeah. So moving on to another receiver, Aaron Anderson. You know, we talked about receivers a big need this year. There's going to be a lot of open positions, a lot of competition. I've heard and read nothing but great things about this kid, Aaron Anderson. Uh come- and true freshman, you know, everybody kind of likens him to Jalen Waddle. Not the biggest guy, not the strongest guy, but fast and quick. And, I mean, I, I watched some highlights of him actually at, at Alabama practice, and you would think it was Jalen Waddle. Just, just the way he kind of moved, the way he broke tackles, the way he accelerated and was quick and juking people. He he looked to me like Jalen Waddle, so he definitely could have a huge impact next year. Yeah, I saw the same footage you're talking about. And, man, he – you know, he had a guy wrapped up. He spun off of it, made another guy miss, and he took a pass. That was like a five-yard pass, took it like 50 yards. And, you know, everything you read about this guy is he's absolutely electric. You know, kind of like you said, in the same mold as Jalen Waddle. When I saw either today or yesterday, he was taking reps with the first team. And, you know, with Ajaya Hall moving out, you know, there's a spot that's wide open. There's multiple spots wide open. You know, I think Jermaine Burton probably has one spot locked up because he he's probably the veteran of the group. But, you know, Ja'Cory Brooks, he hasn't been able to practice this spring. He's been hurt. So, you know, there's two spots really wide open. And you got Aaron Anderson. You got JoJo Earl probably in the slot. And then, you know, we're going to say O'Jay Hall is not no longer there. So then you got Trayshawn holding on the outside, and you got uh, Ja'Cory Brooks, and then you got Jermaine Burton, and then maybe some other guys that you can, you know, mix and match. I think Jones Bell is one of those guys, you know, maybe he plays. I don't know. But, you know, the things you hear about Aaron Anderson, I think he will be able to play next year and get a lot of playing time early, and hopefully he dominates for us because we can always use another weapon. Oh, for sure. And I think, you know, another position group, the running backs – we're going to be really deep there, I believe. You know, we, we talk about Jameer Gibbs coming in and how great he is all around back. Um, these other guys, you know, Jason McClellan, Rodell Williams, even Trey Sanders, if he's 100% healthy, he's not going to be any slouch. Uh, Nick, Nick Saban was talking about they had in one of their scrimmages this week on Trey Sanders. He broke like a 73-yard run 
Um, so it definitely has some explosiveness, some speed. So I think running back is going to be, you know, maybe not experience-wise as far as on Alabama's team because um, they're still kind of young. Uh, Jameer will be the veteran of the group, but definitely going to have some explosiveness and, and, and just all-around backs at the position. Yeah, I think that position is probably the deepest we got on the team. Like you said, Saban said earlier this week that gives uh, the transfer and then Trey Sanders, they were actually ahead of the running back room. And, you know, a lot of that has to do with the two guys we got injured in Rodell Williamson and then Jace McQuillan. You know, it's really stacked. And, honestly, I would be shocked if they all stayed and one of them didn't transfer out. It's just so hard when you got when you got so many guys. You know, they obviously they want to play, and it's hard, especially when you're coming off injuries and stuff. But if Trey Sanders is healthy, I think he could be electric. Gibbs is electric. I love Jace McQuillan. He's a beast. I thought he was he was going to be a great addition last year, and he was he was on his way to do that until he suffered that bad ACL. And hopefully, him and Rodell Williams can come back healthy. And you're just hearing a lot of good things about the. Uh, spring football practice right now. Saban said there's no guys complaining on the team. That would, That's what makes me think of Jay Hall is no, no longer on the team. But he said no guys are complaining. Everybody's got the right attitude. Everybody's got the right mindset. And I'm super excited. You know, I'm not going to be able to watch the A-Day game on the 16th because my sister-in-law is getting married. But uh, but I'm going to get recorded and re-watch it. And I'm super excited to see what these guys, these young guys, these freshmen that play, what they're able to put out there on film. Oh, yeah, for sure. I'm excited. Everything really. I mean, obviously, a day game. They don't show everything, and they're not. It's not really full contact for the most part. But I'm excited. I'm excited to see. You know, we talked about the defense has a lot of starters coming back. But as far as who's going to line up next to Henry Tuatoa, you know, him, Will Anderson. I heard he hadn't even really been practicing much. I don't know if that's because he's nursing an injury, or they're just like, hey, we don't want you to get hurt or to hurt somebody. So just take it easy. We know what you can do. Just relax because we definitely need it. You know, I, I, I talk about Will Anderson. I took a picture of this stat. I think I sent it to you. Um, and it just kind of talks about how dominant Will was last year. So Will Anderson in, in 2021, on 81% of his rush attempts, he was credited with a sack, pressure, tackle, or a loss, or a hit. So that means four out of five times he was affecting the outcome of the play or completely shutting it down quite often for a loss of yards. Four out of five times he's sacking somebody, hitting somebody, tackling the backfield, something like that. So I'm excited, man. If he if he doesn't, you know, Lord willing, please don't let him get hurt. Um, if he does not get hurt, he is going to be an absolute monster. I mean, he already is, but he could even do better next year than he did this past year. Yeah, absolutely. He is a monster. And, you know, we don't want to spend too much time on this, but, you know, just talking about Alabama football, I heard, you know, I heard a stat today and, you know, I just thought about it. I was like, man, it, like this is so true. When is the last time in college football that one team had the best player, the two best players in the country, one player on offense being Bryce Young and then one player on defense being Will Anderson. You know, honestly, it's crazy to think of that. But Alabama, to me, has the best two players in the country. And talking about Will Anderson, man, if Will Anderson was going to the draft this year, I think if Will Anderson could come out right now, I think he would be the first draft pick in the NFL draft coming on later this month. Oh, yeah. Because, oh, yeah. you know, they're talking about, you know, Todd McShay came out with his mock draft. I think he had 
you know, if I'm not mistaken, like Trayvon Walker going second to the Lions. And he didn't even have 10 sacks this year. And Will Anderson, like you said, is getting pressure and affecting the play on four out of every five pass rushes. So, you know, Will Anderson is easily – he was the best best defensive player, maybe the best player in the country this past year. And I think he's just going to build on – and the reason I think he's not playing in the spring is, like you said, you know, he has nothing to prove. The only thing that could happen to him is that he could get hurt or potentially hurt somebody on our team because he's just going so hard and he's just – you know, manhandling the offensive line and maybe hitting Bryce. So I don't think it's a bad idea to keep him out this spring. I probably wouldn't even play him in the A-Day game if it was me, if I was the head coach. But, you know, hopefully everybody can stay healthy on the football team and we roll into the uh, fall with everybody healthy and ready to go. For sure. Can't wait. So our last Alabama sports topic is Alabama basketball. You know, the season's over. Obviously, you've heard us talk about it and you know our feelings on it. Um, but season's over, so a lot of guys transferring, a lot of news there. So this past uh, – was it, I think it was Sunday, Shackelford announced uh, – Jaden Shackelford, Alabama's shooting guard, has announced that he will be declaring for the NBA draft and leaving. Uh, so how do you feel about that, Heath? you think that's a good decision, bad decision, glad to see him leave, what? I'm indifferent on it. Honestly, I, I knew that he was going to leave last year. He put his name – in the transfer portal. A lot of people thought he was going to leave last year, but you know, I'm not shocked that he's leaving this year. I don't think he'll get drafted just because he's just really so, I mean, he's small for a bat. He's six one and he's not a point guard. That's the thing. You know, if he was a point guard, like uh like a Quinterly or somebody like that, you know, there is six one point guards in the NBA, but there's not a lot of six one shooting guards. I don't really know who he would guard. He don't really dribble the ball a lot. He's just a shooter. So you know, maybe he gets picked up by one of these teams after the draft, like a like a rook, signing rookie or whatever. And you know, maybe he goes to the right fit, but he probably he'll probably bounce around and play in the G League a lot. So, you know, I can't blame the guy, but I knew he wasn't coming back to Bama. Yeah, it, it's I don't know. He was a junior. He could have. It's not like football. You know, football has seven rounds, and even if you don't get drafted, there's so many players on football teams you can sign on. You know, as a free agent basketball there's only two rounds and there's not very many people on a basketball team obviously compared to football so i don't know i think at best he's a second rounder probably late second rounder um but even that's not guaranteed so who knows hopefully hopefully it works out you know maybe he'll in his workouts for teams he'll he'll pick up some momentum and uh have a have a good NBA career. Wish him the best for sure. Uh, Quinterly, Javon Quinterly, we mentioned him. He's gone. Uh, you know, he's probably unfortunately due to his ACL uh, injury that he suffered in the first round versus Notre Dame. He's probably not going to get drafted, um, which really stinks because I think he was in a good position to be drafted just because of um, how he progressed throughout the season and just what all he can do with the ball. How he's kind of a, a true point guard. Really, you know, runs an offense. Yeah, the, that's the one that probably hurts me the most. I hate to see him leave. You know, he was really the engine of Alabama's offense last year, and man, I don't think he was going to play like you said with his ACL happening so late in the year. It'd have been a quick turnaround, but you know, I wish him the best. I saw today, and I sent it to you. It was kind of confusing. You know, ESPN and uh, CBS Sports comes out with their way too early top 25s for next year in college basketball. And they had Alabama ranked, you know, 15th in the country. And the guy said, you know, Javon Quinley's coming back. And I was like, yeah, I sent it to Steven. And I was like, oh, I thought, you know, I thought he was leaving. Steven's like, yeah, I think he is leaving. So, you know, I think that was a little mistake. But CBS Sports has Alabama ranked 
22 in the too early, you know, top 25 too early or whatever. And that's probably right. You know, who knows? And, you know, there's still more guys to leave. You know, Keon Ellis, he's going to leave. He graduated. You know, yeah. I think J.D. Davis is going to leave. And then uh, Holt put his name in the tra- in the in the transfer portal. And, you know, I didn't know, but uh, Holt was – I think I think I saw he was like a top 100 ESPN player recruit. Yeah, maybe he, was a, he was a four-star when he came to Alabama. Okay, so maybe a top 50. I mean, that's a huge loss. He didn't even play this year. So, yeah. Alabama's definitely losing a ton of talent. Yeah, they. I mean, you know, we talked about it. Uh, you talk about Keon Ellis already. He's gone. Uh, J.D. Davidson more than likely gone. But if you look at overall who all they're losing, like not just with those four, you know, the top four guys. Because I was mentioned, I think, a couple months ago that the, the top four guards kind of indicated to him that they would be leaving after the season. So, who, I mean, maybe that was one of the reasons they didn't play hard down the stretch because they was like, let's get the season over so I can go pro. I don't know. But so they're gone. You know, some backups, Holt's gone, some guys off the bench. Um, so, I mean, all in all, when you look at it, I looked at the roster today and went down the list. I mean, they could be – they could lose up to 11 players and possibly a couple more. Now, obviously, that some of that is like walk-ons or guys that never really played. But still, 11 guys or maybe even 12 or 13, that's a lot of players to, to replace. Yeah, that's a ton of players to replace, and that's never a good thing. But – we do have two five-star kids coming in, you know, and talking about that LSU, I know I sent this to you and we talked about it a little bit. LSU lost every single player on their team. When Will Wade got fired, every single player either went to the draft or they're going to the transfer portal. And that I've never even heard of that in my life. That's insane. But Alabama could be in a similar boat, like you said, losing 11 players. I think you only got, what, 15 on a roster or something? I'm so like that 15, 16, I, I think. Yeah, I know Noah Gurley said uh, – he said that he was coming back, so that's good. I think Betty Aka will be back, so those two big guys will be back. Probably yeah. uh, Gary may transfer or whatever, but, man, I don't know. I hope that we can get some transfers in, get those talented freshmen, and hopefully, you know, NATO changes some things up and we just get the ball rolling. Yeah, I mean, they, I think because they have in the recruiting class five guys total coming in. Um, so that's five guys. I mean, you still could have to – maybe possibly sign two, three, even four transfers. So hopefully they get the right guys. Hopefully the right guys that fits the system he wants to run, they can have a successful year next year. So we'll see. Uh, All right, our last topic of the night is the NFL. Since we last talked, not tons of stuff has happened, not, you know, major news. I think the biggest news that's happened is Bobby – well, one of the biggest news, Bobby Wagner, longtime Seahawk, one of the best linebackers in the NFL, signed a five-year, $50 million deal worth up to $65 million possibly with the Rams. Yeah, this is a this is a huge deal for the for the Rams. You know, the rich just keep getting richer. You know, they lost they lost Von Miller to the Bills, but you know, signing Bobby Wagner, he's a top three inside linebacker, I think, in the NFL with Fred Warner. And I can't man, I can't think of the other guy, but you know, he's right there for you know, he might be the best. You know, I think he's been to the Pro Bowl every single year he's been in the NFL. And it's a huge pickup for the Rams. He stayed in that division maybe to get back at the Seattle Seahawks for cutting them. Who knows? But this is a huge pickup for the Rams, and it really, you know, sets them up really good to make another deep run and probably go to the Super Bowl next year because that defense, listen, you've got three all-pros on each level. you got Aaron Donald being the best player in the NFL on the defensive side of the ball, on the defensive tackle. you got Bobby Wagner now at inside linebacker, and then you got Jalen Ramsey, one of the top three, top five 
cornerback in the NFL. So the Rams are absolutely stacked, and you know they're. I think if you had to ask me right now, they're going to the Super Bowl in the NFC. Yeah, yeah, they definitely did a good job. Sign. What kind of confused me, I guess maybe I don't, they just wanted to lock him up. You know, he's thirty-one years old, which obviously is young, but in football years, it's not that young. But especially as a linebacker, when you're pretty much hitting or getting hit every play, sign him to a five-year deal. Um, obviously, if I had to bet, he's not going to finish out that deal. I wouldn't say. Who knows? He might, but I, I don't see him finishing it out. But uh, hopefully, you know, he'll have a good few years with him, and we'll see what happens. Yeah, yeah, man. I I hope he does have a good year with him. I I like the Rams. I like Sean McVay. I like Matthew Stafford. I really hope that it works out well for them. And going to really our second topic in the NFL, Devontae Parker. He got traded to the New England Patriots. He was with the Miami Dolphins. He got traded to the Patriots. And the Patriots gave the Dolphins a third-round pick for next year. And I believe the Patriots got Devontae Parker and a seventh-round pick. And, you know, what do you think about this trade? It's kind of a weird trade. You never see teams trade in the division, especially because you don't want to make another team in your division better. But what do you really think about this trade? Uh, It's kind of – it's funny because I think last week, in our last episode, we talked about the Patriots and how – you know, what do they do? And they don't, you know, they have all these receivers that didn't do anything at all last week and they need to get Max some help. And then here this past week, they trade for Devontae Parker, who I don't know. I don't, I mean, I guess time will tell if it's a good trade. Like you said, teams, you typically don't trade a player, especially somebody that's going to be a starter on the other team to someone that's an in division, you know, in the division that's a rival. So I guess the Dolphins, maybe they don't feel very threatened by Devontae Parker hurting them um so we'll see i mean he's a you know he's a big guy 6'3 220 i think he ran a 4-4 when he came out which was i mean you know he's 28 29 so it's been you know several years but so maybe they just you know want a big possession receiver someone matt can just throw it up to yeah think Um, about this for think about this for a second steven so you want to know just how much how not talented the new england patriots skill position is and how much loaded the dolphins are the Dolphins just traded probably their third best receiver. I think Mike Isaki's a tight end, but you know he's better than Devontae Parker. But they just traded the Patriots their, their third best receiver, and now he becomes the Patriots probably the Patriots best receiver. I mean that just shows like, how much more talented the Dolphins are than the Patriots, and how much that the Patriots lack offensive skill talent to really help Mac Jones. Oh, yeah, for sure. I could see, honestly, the Patriots knowing them, I could see them picking, like, defensive players in their first two rounds or maybe even three rounds, and then they go after, like, Slade Bolden or John Mechie in the later Jeez. rounds. Um, <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> yeah, I saw I saw a mock draft today where they took uh, N'Kobe Dean from uh, Georgia, the inside linebacker, which is a really good pick because he's a phenomenal player. But, but come on, man, you got to give Max some weapons. Yeah, for sure. But I'm right, moving on to our last – topic not really topic in the nfl but last thing we're going to do so last week we did our top five quarterbacks who we think will be the top five quarterbacks in the nfl next year um go back and listen to the the show last week if you want to hear those so this week we will be doing our top five running backs for next season and he you know we were talking about this this was a really hard it was even more difficult than the quarterbacks list because there's a lot of really, really good running backs in the NFL. Um, you know, I'm sure if we took a poll of 100 people, 
that there was there's no list that would be the same just because there's so many different good running backs. So um, we'll start at number five, kind of like we did last week. Start at five and talk about them and go down all the way to. So for me, number five, I have Javante Williams. Um, he was a rookie last year on the Broncos, and the reason I have him number five. Now again, a lot could happen. This is based off of Melvin Gordon is a free agent right now, so if he goes back to the Broncos. It could cut into, you know, Javante's production a little bit. But I have him number five as a rookie. He had 903 yards, excuse me, 903 yards, four touchdowns, and 316 receiving yards. And that was with, you know, having a – not really having a good quarterback that a defense was scared of beating him with their arm. So having Russell Wilson – there that can threaten defense deep and that they can't, you know, really stack the box to stop the running game. I see him having a pretty big year. What a phenomenal pick, Steven. That's a really, really, really good pick. And like you said, to me, this was by far way, way tougher than the quarterbacks last week. And I think next week we're going to hit on our top five receivers. And that just hurts my head to even think about because there's so many good ones. But, you know, this is this was so hard. I just want to give some honorable mentions, some special mentions. They didn't make it to the top five, but these guys are so talented. A lot of these guys are interchangeable. So Aaron Jones, uh, Christian McCaffrey, Joe Mixon, and Javante Williams, and Austin Eckler. Those guys were right there on the edge for me, but they just didn't do it. And honestly, for five, I got two guys for five, so I guess this is five and six. I know we weren't supposed to do that, but I just couldn't separate these guys. And for me, it's Najee Harris and Nick Chubb. You know, starting with Najee Harris, he was a rookie last year, and you know, honestly, I like Big Ben, but Big Ben was not a good quarterback last year. And Najee Harris kind of carried that offense, you know, for them. And he played behind a terrible offensive line. Hopefully they get better. But, you know, he's a beast. He was a beast at Alabama. He was a beast in the NFL. You know, he's got quickness with power, and he's just got the whole package. Then you got Nick Chubb. He runs behind one of the best offensive lines in the NFL. And, you know, he had Baker Mayfield as his quarterback last year. Now he's going to have Deshaun Watson. So I think he will be even better. And the only thing that hurts Nick Chubb is honestly that he plays with Kareem Hunt. And Kareem Hunt is a really good running back. So they kind of, you know, got 60 – they get to do about 60-40 where Nick Chubb gets about 60% of the snaps and Kareem Hunt gets about 40. Or other than that, I think Nick Chubb could have been like a top three running back if Kareem Hunt wasn't there. But that's my top five. That is my fifth and sixth with Najee Harris and Nick Chubb. Yeah, those are really good picks. Uh, like you said, honorable mentions, I didn't do those. Um, man, this was a hard list. I didn't have Najee. I just think – I don't know if he can carry the offense two years in a row because, again, unless they, you know, something happens, they're going to have horrible quarterback play again. So I don't know if he can do it two years in a row. Aaron Jones, you know, you mentioned Christian McCaffrey, depending on how healthy he is. Um, there's just so many good. I don't even, I didn't have a Joe Mixon in my top um, five. So my number four guy is Austin Eckler. With the Chargers last year, he had 911 yards. Um, but what he really stands out is his, he really is an all-around back. He had 647 receiving yards with eight touchdowns, eight receiving touchdowns last year. Um, and that's what, you know, um, the quarterback – I'm drawing a blank. What's his name? Um, oh, Justin Herbert. Yeah, Justin Herbert. I was, why was I thinking? Uh, anyway, so Justin Herbert, he's only going to be better. They have their skill players back. Uh, so I think Austin Eckler is going to be a top five back, especially the da- the damage that he can cause in the um, in the in the passing game can really help out there. So I see him being a top five back next year, and especially in fantasy. He might be 
But as far as what he can do receiving, he might be like top two in fantasy. So we'll see. Yeah, Austin Eckler, that's a good pick. It won my brother Hunter a lot of games last year in fantasy football because, like you said, he's a beast. I picked Christian McCaffrey. Side note, I picked Christian McCaffrey with my first pick in one of my fantasy leagues, and the guy got hurt like most of the season and lost me a lot of games. But <laughs> that's just that I'm a little bitter about him. That's why he made my top five. But number four, I got Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook, he was a beast in college at Florida State. He's a beast in the NFL. His thing is he gets nicked up a lot, so hopefully he can stay healthy. And I think, you know, bringing in a new a new head coach with a different mindset and Kevin O'Connell coming from the Rams. He was the Rams offensive coordinator and getting Mike Zimmer out, who was more of a defensive guy. I think, you know, Dalvin Cook could be even better than he was last year, which he was really good last year. But I just think he could be better. And, you know, if they just give him a lot of touches. And, you know, Kirk Cousins, he's a good quarterback. So I like Calvin Cook with uh, – no, not Calvin Cook. Dalvin Cook with my fourth running back. Yeah, that's a that's a he's he's gonna have I think a good year for sure. Um, so my third guy is Nick Chubb. Um, you know we mentioned him having Kareem Hunt there, but he's you know he still had twelve almost thirteen hundred yards last year. I think having Deshaun there is gonna open up stuff even more if he can get back to you know form that he was before he you know was off for a year. So I have Nick Chubb at number three. That's a good one, but I got Jonathan Taylor. At number three, Jonathan Taylor, he was a beast last year. He led the NFL in rushing, and he runs behind a really, really good offensive line, probably the best offensive lineman in the NFL. Gow, what's his name? He, Quentin, he, Quentin Nelson? That's exactly Quentin Nelson. He's the best offensive lineman in the NFL. He absolutely manhandles guys. He makes them look like he's a boy versus a man out there, and he just destroys them up. I think Jonathan Taylor, you know, bringing in Matt Ryan should help a little bit. Maybe they throw the ball a little more. That's why I don't have him higher on the list, but he's got everything. He's got the track speed. He's really physical. I think he's a really good back, and that's why I got him right now at number three. Yeah, I actually have him at number two just because, you know, he won the, he won the title last year. Um, but, like you said, great offensive line. They – they upgraded the quarterback position this offseason. So, you know, if he could do that with teams kind of not threatened, I really – I would say a whole lot by Carson Wentz. If he could do that, then I don't see any reason he can't be top two or even maybe even lead the league again with having Matt Ryan there to kind of keep defenses honest. So, he's my number two guy. Yeah, no, he's, he's a beast. Like I said, he's a really good back. And with my number two, I got uh, – you probably don't even have him. I got Alvin Kamara. I, I love Alvin Kamara. You know, what he can do, he's really an all-around back. You know, he he thrived. He thrived when Drew Brees was his quarterback because Drew Brees would dump the ball down to him and he could really make a guy miss. He's got the best – probably the best balance in the NFL. You know, he makes a lot of people miss. He's really strong in the core. He's explosive. He gets a lot of touchdowns, and he's really good and. And I think the Saints are going to feature him this upcoming season. And I expect big things out of Alvin Kamara. I love him, and I hope he has a great year. Yeah, that's a great thing. Like you said, I mean, lots of great running backs. I mean, they could go either way. The only reason I didn't have him in my top five is because of weak quarterback play. You know, I think all these guys I'm looking at here has good quarterback play to, to you know, my, well, my top guy is decent, but speaking of my top guy, none other than King Henry, Derek Henry yeah, yeah. from the Tennessee Titans. Um, 
I mean, you know, if you've watched the NFL or kept up with it at all, you really don't need me to explain much of why I have him at number one. I mean, last year, through eight games, he only played eight games because he got injured. So, well, actually, he didn't even, I don't think he completed the eighth game totally. But anyway, so eight games, he had 937 yards and 10 touchdowns through eight games. So, on that pace, he's at like 2,000 yards, I believe, maybe a little bit over. So he, I see him being a beast again. He's a workout machine. He's going to have his body right. You know, yes, he was injured, so it's not really like he was taking the last the uh, last part of uh, the season off. So he was rehabbing his injury, but that his still the rest of his body with how much workload he has was kind of resting. I see him coming back, having a great year. You know, if Ryan Tannehill can give him some help as far as keeping defenses back and keeping them honest, um, I see no reason that he will not be number one again and possibly even eclipse 2,000 yards for the second time in his career. You absolutely hit the nail on the head. That I have Derrick Henry, a.k.a. King Henry, number one as my top running back in the NFL. And like you said, you, you throw all the stats out. The man missed half the season. This is all you need to know. The man missed half the season last year. And almost had a thousand yards. If I'm not mistaken, was he not? Wasn't he the fourth leading rusher in the NFL last year? Uh, I can't. I know he was top ten for sure. I can't remember. Well, but he, he's I been, mean, either way, that's still impressive. Yeah, he was top ten in the NFL and didn't play half the games. The guy is six four two fifty. He was one of my favorite players all time of Alabama. I know people. If you're listening and you you think you're not an Alabama fan, you think I'm being a homer. I'm really not. Derrick Henry. He's a beast. There's not enough words to really describe just what he does. I mean, if if you don't know, just go look up some clips. Type in the clip where he stiff-armed Josh Norman. Or I saw the clip today where the Titans were on the one-yard line, and they gave him the ball, and he took it 99 yards, and he stiff-armed half the team down the sideline. Just like – just like it looked like it looked like me running and just stiff-arming my nine-month-old halfway across the room. It's just how – dominant he is when he throws that that haymaker of a stiff arm and he's a beast he's got it all he's got the power he's got vision and probably the most impressive thing is he's got that home run speed and that home run capability you know people say oh he's not fast but guess what i have never seen somebody catch him because when he takes a stride it's like a two yard stride every time and he just outruns everybody yeah, he's. I think you'd probably rather get ran over by a truck than you would get hit by him at full speed. Because <laughs> oh, sure. just watching him run, man, it's it's like you said. He's he's actually bigger than most linebackers nowadays. You know, bigger than a linebacker with the speed of a receiver. It it it's pretty scary to watch. I mean, it's so fun to watch him play for sure. Yeah, I'm a, and to me, honestly, I think he's a. He's easily – I think he'll be a first – he'll probably be a Hall of Famer. And there's no doubt to me about that. And You know, I think it's a shame he hasn't won an MVP yet. I think he should have won it not last year but the year before when he was close to breaking the all-time rushing lead. Yeah. And, man, this was so fun, dude. The, there are so many talented running backs. And, you know, honestly, Alabama, You everybody wants to talk about, you know, what is the best position that these – Alabama puts out some running backs. You got Derrick Henry in the NFL, Najee Harris, Josh Jacobs, Kenyon Drake, Mark Ingram, Damian Harris. Who else? Oh, let's see. At oh, least I have one good year. <laughs> Who? Who'd you say? I said Eddie Lacy had one good year. Oh, good Lord. Eddie Lacy's probably sitting at home eating Krispy Kreme. 
That's Chase's favorite. <laughs> he's, a, he's, a, he's got a sponsorship with Krispy Kremes, probably. Oh, Eddie Lacy, he would spin two times. <laughs> All he would do is spin. And then Alvin Kamara, he went to Alabama, but he had to leave because, you know, the, the running back room was just so full. But, yeah. you know, there's a ton of great running backs in the NFL. And, you know, that was just my top five. A lot of people may have a different one. A lot of people may have a different one than you. But, you know, that was just our top five, and it was fun. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it for sure. Um, you know, come back, listen next week. We'll be talking about our top five wide receivers and that. We might have to extend it to top ten. I don't know. We'll talk about it because it's going to be really hard to narrow down to top five. You probably could pick, you know, the top whatever, 10, 15, 20 receivers, stick them yeah, in a hat yeah. and pull them out, and that could be your top five, and it would be completely legit. You know, nobody would laugh at it because there's so many great receivers. That's going to be hard to do. So um, thank you, all everybody, for, for listening. Tune in next week to hear that list, and we'll have, you know, a bunch of other stuff to talk about. If you want us to talk about something specific or have any questions for us or any sports-related questions, we'll do our best to answer them. Just email us at TillmansCornerSportsTalk at gmail.com. Don't forget to listen. Don't forget to subscribe. That way you can know when we put a new show out. You can click the link in our bios on our uh, social medias that way it'll take you you can either go to spotify or apple podcast to listen to the show or it'll let you uh, submit questions to us that way we can answer those so thank you everybody for listening we enjoyed it Uh, we love y'all appreciate y'all listening we'll catch y'all next time